Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Healthier Together podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a best-selling author and longtime journalist. This podcast is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life, whether we're learning how to be more productive and build better habits, crushing our limiting thoughts and beliefs, or finding out exactly what to eat for hormone balance. And yes, those are all real episodes, so if any of those topics sound good to you, scroll on back in the archives. Today, we are back with a brand new edition of our popular Healthy Cooking Secrets series. We've done Healthy Cooking Secrets episodes on putting together quick dinners, saving money on healthy food, making veggies taste amazing, and even a holiday edition to make entertaining stress-free. They always feature some of the biggest names in the food world, everyone from Julia Tertian to the Korean vegan, so I highly recommend giving those episodes a listen as well. Today, I am so excited to welcome two of my friends, Catherine Perez and Jamie Milne, to the podcast. These two women are incredibly talented and knowledgeable creators online. You probably know them as at PlantBasedRD and at Everything underscore Delish on social media, where they've racked up millions of followers by sharing their healthy eating secrets with the world. Catherine is a registered dietitian nutritionist who uses her platform to share a diverse perspective on plant-based eating, preventative nutrition, healthy recipes, and access to nutrition information. She has a master's degree in human nutrition and completed a 1,200-hour accredited dietetic internship through the University of Houston. She has been an RD since 2015 and has transformed her career into sharing all of her amazing information on social media. Jamie is a Toronto-based food, travel, and lifestyle blogger that has millions of people going crazy over her viral recipes. She's racked up over 600,000 followers on Instagram and over 2.5 million followers on TikTok after leaving her job in teaching to pursue social media full-time. She's been featured in outlets like Elite Daily, Cosmopolitan, People Magazine, and more, and she uses her teaching background to help us all make easy, beautiful, and delicious recipes. I love these episodes because they're always really fun and chatty, a real like sitting with your friends, shooting the shit vibe, but they're also packed with tips and tricks that will change the way you cook. We talk about when you should see an RD and exactly what an RD can help with, the best weeknight dinner ideas, a genius hack for adding protein and creaminess to stovetop recipes. I had never heard this one before. This one blew my mind and I have been using it ever since. I am so excited to share it with you a simple trick for making sure that healthy foods are actually getting into your diet, the best ways to get your protein on a plant-based diet, how to manage imposter syndrome and anxiety in a creative field, hacks for going viral and how to beat the algorithm, genius ideas for eating well on a budget, and so much more. As always, we would all love to hear your thoughts as you're listening, so definitely screenshot and tag us on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody, and they are at plantbasedrd and at everything underscore delish. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend, a family member, or coworker so we can all start making delicious and nourishing food in our everyday lives. Sharing is the best, best, best way to support the podcast, and it is so appreciated. And hey, maybe the people you share it with will even cook for you. So it'll be a win, win, win. Oh, and quick reminder, we now have a Facebook group specifically dedicated to discussing the podcast episodes and any and all related topics throughout the week. It is such a great resource. People are sharing their favorite retinols and the best single-source olive oils based on the Dr. Whitney Bowe and Dr. William Lee episodes and just having great conversations, so I will link that in the show notes. Not only that, but we're beginning to put together groups of people in cities all over the world that love the Healthier Together podcast and want to have their own podcast clubs. It's like a book club, but you just discuss a podcast episode instead, which is 
much easier and less time consuming, although I love book clubs too. So I will link the sign up for that in the show notes as well. Okay, let's get right into it with some healthy cooking secrets. Catherine, I am so excited to have you here. I've been such a fan of your recipes for, gosh, I don't even know when I started following you, but everything always looks so delicious. Uh, Thank you so much. It's so fun to share food online. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get started sharing food online? So this actually started with my last job. I had a better work-life balance at that point, and I was able to start taking pictures of my food. And I started doing it as like, let me show my breakfast. Let me show what I'm eating at dinner. And since it was just photography at the time. <laughs> different world, different yes, world. <laughs> much different world than now. But at that time, it got to a point where people were like, ooh, how did you make this? What's the recipe for the thing that you just showed me? And it slowly evolved to me sharing recipes and people remaking things. And then I was like, okay, well, what can I make now? Because there's so many options and so many things that I personally grew up with that I was excited to share. And this was also when I was newer to plant-based eating. So I was also excited to just experiment more. So it was just a roller coaster after that, just going through all these different things to try with different ingredients I was familiar with. What did you grow up eating? What was the food culture like in your house? My mom is Dominican. So pretty much Growing up, we were very accustomed to a lot of Dominican-related recipes. My mom wasn't cooking every single recipe that I'm familiar with right now. I learned a lot of that from my aunts and my uncles, but she was very into the basics of bean-heavy dishes, a lot of stewed things that are like very comforting. So that type of food was what I was like the most used to growing up with. I'm not that familiar with Dominican food. Can you tell me a little bit more about what are some staple dishes? What are you growing up eating specifically? A big thing for my mom that she would make like almost on a weekly basis was guisados, which are stewed dishes. So a lot of those dishes can be like stewed beans, they could be stewed chicken, stewed beef. So there was just a lot of warm dishes like all throughout the year, even when it was like really hot out. Typically, like from a flavor profile, there's a lot of sofritos, which are a blend of different herbs and garlic. So it's very fresh tasting, even though you're cooking it for long periods of time. Lots of adobo, more savory, salty kind of components to the dishes. And that was kind of like a staple pretty much almost every night that we would eat. Was it interesting when you became an RD to kind of turn that eye towards the food that you grew up with? Yeah. So especially with the way that we're taught in a lot of our courses is that a lot of the foods that I would eat were not necessarily deemed nutritious. I always thought of it when I first started, I was like, oh, the foods that I'm eating aren't considered nutritious towards the RD lens. However, especially finding out more about the ingredients, more about how people were cooking foods. And even just most of my family in general, they're not majorly obese. They're not dealing with every single condition. A lot of those conditions tend to happen when they came over to the US and they would eat the standard American diet. So a lot of that I had to unlearn and realize like, hey, there's a lot of nutrition that you can get from these meals. Like the sofrito that I mentioned just a second ago, 
that's loaded with like fresh herbs. It's loaded with different veggies sometimes, depending on the household that you go to. And then not to mention all the spices that are used in things like adobo or sazon. Those things are very antioxidant potent. So when you're eating those foods, you're still getting quite a bit of nourishment. And considering one of the staples is beans in our culture, I grew up eating beans and they're rich in fiber, protein. Those things are so critical from like a nutrition standpoint. So to see that a lot of people would deem my cultural foods as being like something that's not healthy was always just very interesting to me because now I feel like I view it completely different than when I first got out of my RD training. Is RD training, would you say it sort of centers, I don't know, a white cultural perspective? Yeah, very strongly because even when I would take courses on counseling, there was a scenario that I remember going through where you're counseling someone of Asian descent and a lot of what they eat, especially things like rice, I eat rice all the time. And they would suggest that when you're counseling someone like that, that you recommend switch from white rice to brown rice, or instead of rice in the morning, you should have oatmeal. And no one's eating oatmeal. <laughs> and a lot of these Asian cultures, first thing in the morning, like that's just not what they would normally eat. So telling other people not to eat their traditional foods was just right. always very confusing to me. Which is also wild because some of the most long-lived people in the world come from Japan, Okinawa. There's been a lot of really interesting research on things like eating a big savory breakfast instead of what might be considered a more typical breakfast in the U.S. So it's kind of interesting thinking about how our nutrition biases would play into something like an RD training and how our cultural biases would play into that. It's actually something I've never thought about before. It's kind of crazy too, because even when I started practicing, the scope of the dietitian field is, I think it's like 84 or 85% of the practicing dietitians are white compared to the remaining percentage, which is a mix of different cultures. However, it's such a small percentage. And I would have clients that I would work with immediately that were like, oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting you to be a Dominican or I wasn't expecting you to be a person of color because typically they were so used to the medical field just being filled with people that they weren't familiar with or that they didn't feel comfortable speaking with because they didn't necessarily have that connection with, this is just how I eat. This is how my family grew up eating. Yeah, for sure. I tend to think of foods from cultures other than the U.S. as actually healthier as a baseline. Like it's my own bias to be like places that are using a ton of spices, a ton of herbs, a lot of beans and fresh vegetables and things like that. And I love really, really spice rich cuisine, like more flavor, the better, the more kind of pow you can get in that. So I tend to gravitate towards other cultural cuisines personally. Oh, yeah. And it's such a fun way to almost be a part of someone else's culture for a second. I feel like it's such a community building thing. And especially from a health perspective, it's one thing to eat food, but to also have connection with other people is such an important thing about having a long and healthy life in the long term. Would you say that we're better off if we're healthier together? Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> 
What conditions do you think it would make sense for somebody to seek out an RD? I think it's one of those mystery jobs a little bit still where we don't know, like, at what point is my gut issues? Does that signify I should see an RD? Is a migraine a sign? When should we go see one? Typically, when it comes to seeing an RD, it really depends on the individual. So like you kind of mentioned, there are definitely conditions that I would recommend seeing an RD. For example, if you have been diagnosed recently with something like GI issues, or if you have diabetes or even prediabetes, any heart disease markers like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, those are all things that you can meet a dietitian to discuss and see if there's any changes that you can make that might be beneficial for that. Sometimes it's also good to just check in and see if there's anything that they could be adding. And it really depends on insurance. I know sometimes it's not always <laughs> the easiest to seek out uh, medical attention when something is not wrong. But I know some programs that are available through certain insurances that allow you to go and get a health check and just see like, hey, is everything good? It's kind of like if you're going to your primary care physician for an annual checkup just to see, hey, do I need to be adding a multivitamin or just asking those small questions that you're just not sure about versus going on Google and potentially falling down a rabbit hole? <laughs> that might be an issue. For sure. It's one of the things I love about your account, though, is sometimes people will ask you advice and you're like, this is the type of thing that you should really go have a personalized consult about. Yeah, especially because it's very easy to generalize things without realizing that my experience is going to be completely different than another person's nutrition experience. You know, I can eat beans because I've grown up eating beans. I didn't really have to integrate that into what I'm eating. But some people that might be eating beans for the first time, they are going to probably have some GI issues and they might need a dietitian to guide them and explain to them like, hey, do it slowly because there's a lot more fiber. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. A lot of what we talk about on this podcast are low-hanging fruit, little things you can add to your day that will make a huge difference in your health or mindset or just life in general. This product is one of those things for me. While a lot of health stuff is cumulative and all about consistency, this is one of those few things that I notice a difference literally right away. I'm talking, of course, about AG1 by Athletic Greens. I know some of you are scared that this is an overhyped product because you hear so many people talking about it, but I would never promote something that I didn't stand behind entirely. And in this case, it's just one of those things that's super hyped because it's actually that good. Here's the basics. You take a scoop of AG1 and mix it into water, juice, or a smoothie. I like water because I actually really like the taste of AG1, but if you're less keen on the taste, my hot tip is to shake it with ice cubes. It makes a huge difference. But I do really love the flavor. People always ask if I'm lying when I say that, and I'm not. I've really come to crave it. It tastes like bubblegum or tropical vanilla. I will say I might crave it because it makes me feel so good. It's like a Pavlovian response where I'm obsessed with the flavor because I associate it with how good I feel after drinking it. Okay, so you take a scoop, chug whatever you're drinking it with, and boom, you have this incredible insurance that you've gotten your foundational nutrition in, regardless of how the rest of the day goes. Because we're trying to eat all the veggies, all the mushrooms and seaweeds, but we're not perfect, and that's okay. 
AG1 has 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, and adaptogens to cover your bases. Right after I drink it, I feel like a gentle energy. It's not at all jittery like caffeine, but more just like you just woke up from the best night of sleep. It gives me a ton of mental clarity and clears any sluggishness or brain fog that I have, which is why even though a lot of people start their day with it, I actually prefer to drink mine in the early afternoon, right when I have that 3 p.m. slump. And it's not a placebo effect. AG1 has so many ingredients that have been extensively researched for their brain health effects, like rhodiola root dry extract, hawthorn berry, and rosemary, just to name a few. It also has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no artificial anything. And they're third-party tested, which is always so important to look for. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash healthier together. The vitamin D3 and K2 is amazing. You actually always want to make sure that you look for K2 with your D3 because the K2 helps the D transport calcium to your bones where it's needed rather than calcifying in your arteries, which we do not want. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash healthier together to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now let's get back to the episode. Let's get into some of your healthy cooking secrets. So go to weeknight dinner. You have like no time. What are you doing to get dinner on the table super quickly? I love that question because pretty much (laughs) currently my husband's doing the cooking. So like our staple recipe right now is this like curried bean stew. And it's very simple to put together. It just takes 30 minutes and we're very big on what's going to cook the fastest. (laughs) So it's loaded with Beans, obviously, I use red kidney beans because they're very antioxidant rich. They're also very high in fiber, rich in iron, which is really good, especially because we both follow a plant-based diet. And then with all the spices and things like that, just makes it very easy to flavor. And we usually pair it with either rice or naan if we're feeling extra in the kitchen (laughs) on that night. But we try to keep it as simple as possible. That's one staple. And another is tacos. I'm part Mexican, so it's, it's like super important for me to also keep that in the mix of things. And also tacos are like a miracle food. I have a philosophy that's like, will it taco, which is like <laughs> everything will taco. There's no food you really can't like put in a taco. You take a bunch of random vegetables from your fridge or freezer, saute them up with some onion, and it looks so weird on its own, but you put it in a taco and all of a sudden it's a meal. I totally agree. And then the fact that it also saves a little bit on dishes too, because you don't have to use forks and knives. You could just use your hands. Like, <laughs> What's your favorite taco filling? Right now, we make breakfast tacos. Sometimes we do that for dinner. And we'll either use a sauteed tofu or we'll do just egg. We'll just kind of scramble that up and add peppers, especially like jalapeno because like we really like spicy food. So that serrano peppers, lots of garlic, easiest flavor enhancer, and also just so good for you is just garlic. And then sometimes we'll add some veggies like spinach because it just cooks very quickly and we just always have it on hand. So very easy to just like put in for some extra nutrition too. And the stew, is there a recipe for that somewhere? Can you walk us through really fast what's going into that? 
Yeah. So this recipe I actually have on my website and typically for the dish just has like a couple of different spices. So I have cumin seeds and coriander, which you just saute with some oil and that helps to kind of bring out more of the flavor that's inside of that spice. And then we saute it with a little bay leaf and then add our garlic, some ginger. I always recommend if you can do fresh even if you have to use a garlic press or a microplane. Microplanes are amazing for garlic though and for ginger. It's it's like you don't have to sit there chopping away. You can just microplane it down. And it adds so much more flavor than if you're using the powdered stuff. And typically we'll saute that with some crushed tomatoes. And I like to use the fire roasted crushed tomatoes because they just have a little bit extra umami flavor, which is super important for building flavors in your dish. After that, I throw in the beans and then we, this is going to sound strange, but it adds a lot of creaminess to it. I add a little bit of nut butter. So you can add either almond butter or I like to add peanut butter sometimes. And it helps to just like add some extra creaminess. To well, the and dish. the peanut, I've had peanut stew and I feel like adding that peanut butter would give like a little bit of that note too, which is really delicious. I love the idea. Honestly, it's because one of my favorite hacks is using nut butter to make nut milk, just blending nut butter with water to make nut milk. And it would totally make sense that if you're adding nut butter to a liquid base like a stew, it would add that milky, creamy texture. But I have never thought of that. Yeah, I love to use it because sometimes when I'm making a dish and calls for coconut milk or something, I tend to use just like a little bit of it to add the creaminess and then I end up like wasting the rest. Half a can of coconut milk. Yeah. So I feel like I always have peanut butter on hand. That's genius. Then if it's almond butter, it makes it more neutral in taste. So if you just want the creaminess without adding the peanut flavor, that's a good option too. Is there anything else that goes into that or anything on top of that? Are we done? So pretty much you just kind of simmer that together. I like to add some water just to help loosen it up a little bit. And if not water, I'll use vegetable broth or a bouillon base and just add that in as it's stewing and then let it sit on the stove for 10, 15 minutes and it thickens and you can serve it however you like. It's the best. Do you have any other little hacky weird things like the nut butter and the stew? Yeah. So I actually do this quite a lot at breakfast. I feel like one of the hardest things for me to remember any time of the day is to make sure I'm including some type of omega-3 into my day. And unless I'm actively thinking about it, I tend to forget and I'm like, oh, I should have just added something. So I try really hard to make sure that I'm incorporating some type of seed somewhere during the day, especially things that are rich in omega-3. So that could be chia seeds, flax seeds, or hemp seeds. So all of them will include some level of omega-3 or even walnuts. So if you're not allergic to nuts, like that's a really good one as well. And I try to do like a mix. So I'll take some of my peanut butter and I'll mix the seeds in it. So that way, since I always have peanut butter at least like once a day, it's just very easy to make sure that I have that. Sometimes I'll mix all the seeds in like a jar and I'll put it in my fridge. So that way, anytime I like open my fridge, I see it. I feel like I'm training my brain to say, okay, I need to incorporate this in something today. 
It's one of those hacks that I feel like I always am like, yeah, 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 I get it. The idea that if you see stuff, you're more likely to consume it. And if you don't see it, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. But I have willpower so I can leave all the stuff that I would rather not be filling up out on the counter. And I don't have to have fruit and vegetables front and center. But whenever I open my fridge and I have nuts or something like that, that's what I'll grab to snack on. We're just such simple creatures, but we like to think we're so complicated. Yeah, it's weird because I totally understand that. And I feel when I first thought about doing it, I was like, this is not going to work. And then then it does. It always does. (laughs) Do you have any tips on saving money eating healthy food? Yes. I feel like there's this big push to incorporate a lot of superfoods, quote unquote. And I think we oftentimes forget that there's a lot of foods that are highly nutritious that are very cheap. And a lot of them that oftentimes get lumped into the processed food category, which is not necessarily the case. So a good example would be salsas, right? If you think about a salsa, it's pretty much veggies. It's a lot of herbs sometimes, depending on the type of salsa that you're using, that's something that you can incorporate into your meal. And sometimes when we reprogram our brain to not necessarily deem those foods as unhealthy, we can oftentimes incorporate those things because a jar of salsa is really cheap at the store. If you think about beans, a can of beans is super cheap. It's also shelf stable, right? So you can leave it in your shelf until the time that you actually need it. And it's still going to have the same nutrition value that it had a month ago when you first purchased it. So I think it's really important to incorporate those things and not necessarily being afraid of shopping in the center of the aisle. One of the jobs I had before doing Instagram full time was as a registered dietitian in a grocery store. So A lot of people would be like, oh, I have to just shop the perimeter of the store. And I was like, there's so many great things in the middle of the store. There's all your grains. There's all of your dry beads. There's lots of spices and things that we oftentimes forget about. Those things can be super valuable. And it's also more convenient, right? Like if you go to a shelf-stable rice that's like already prepared and all you have to do is microwave it, that's eliminating maybe some of the barrier that you might have taken to say, oh, I don't feel like cooking today because I have to make a whole pot of rice. It's like, all right, if you don't feel like it, just get some shelf-stable minute rice, pop it in the microwave, and you have half of your meal done. All you have to do is the base. So just saves time, eliminates barriers to health, and just makes us a whole lot better in general. I do think sometimes there's this notion that we either have to be all, and if all feels too exhausting and too intimidating, then we're like, well, I might as well just order takeout or something. And in fact, there's this huge middle ground that is really good for you and really achievable that we ignore. With all the clients that I've worked with, I feel like they have really opened my eyes to a lot of that because I love to cook. I don't mind cooking things from scratch. Not everyone is like that. And that's totally okay. And that shouldn't necessarily bar them from being able to nourish themselves. So if they just need to be better with looking at labels and making sure that something is fitting their nutrition needs, it's okay if they need to go to something that's partially prepped, if that helps to encourage them to make sure that they're having balanced meals during the day and just energize themselves. 
I think that's just as valuable as someone that is willing and able to cook in the kitchen from scratch. I love the salsa hack too. I had a viral TikTok, I think like last summer that I was like, salsa is salad basically. And we should just, because it is, it's like every bite is like having a huge amount of salad because you're making it so tiny by putting it in the food processor or whatever. Especially if you ever make salsa yourself, which is way easier than people think it is. You're watching this huge mound of vegetables and fruits because tomatoes are fruit, which we need yeah. to, you know, like acknowledge that exactly. um, <laughs> before people <laughs> yell at me. But you're watching them get teeny tiny and then you're like, wow, I'm having all of that goodness on every chip. Exactly. I think that that is just so important because we oftentimes think of, let's say, a salad, right? Everyone's like, oh, it has to have lettuce and it has to have all these extra veggies on top. But if we think about from a nourishment perspective, yes, the lettuce, all those veggies are great, but you can technically get even a bigger punch by adding even smaller things that we forget about, like fresh herbs. So if you think about parsley, cilantro, those things are loaded with antioxidants. And I feel like they get so neglected sometimes. And they taste so good. Like I would so much rather eat basil than like most salad greens. It makes your food taste better. And you don't even have to use that much to get the same amount of benefit that you would have to if you're eating cups and cups of other veggies. So if you happen to get it at the store, you're growing it on your counter, whatever helps you get those things in, that's probably one of the easiest things that you can add to a meal. And it packs in so much good nutrition. It also makes it look so much prettier. One of my favorite things to do is to heat up leftovers and then add fresh herbs on top because your leftovers always look sad, but I love leftovers because I am the laziest cook ever. And it's just like a little gift from past you, but adding some fresh herbs on top and you're just like, wow, I made a gourmet meal. And all I did was heat it up in the microwave. I love that. Especially if you think about what I just mentioned with anything that's even prepackaged, right? It's such an easy way. Maybe it doesn't look the best out of the package. That's totally fine. Like you can still eat with your eyes and make it look more vibrant by just adding some extra fresh greens on top. And then it makes you feel like you added something still very nutritious to that meal and just kind of elevates it. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. When I worked as a magazine editor, I wrote more than a thousand articles about turmeric because pretty much all of the doctors that I used as sources kept recommending it or citing it as one of the supplements that they would personally take. Here's the background. Turmeric is one of the most powerful ways to fight inflammation. In a nutshell, there are two types of inflammation, acute and chronic. Acute inflammation can actually be a good thing. It's one of the ways that your body heals and repairs itself. But when that system goes haywire, we get chronic inflammation, which essentially makes your body feel like it's constantly under attack. The vast majority of doctors I work with cite chronic inflammation as one of the root causes of so many of our modern ailments, and research links inflammation with heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, cancer, arthritis, and gut issues like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. I am never going to sit around and tell you that a supplement will cure everything that ails you, but if you're looking for a turmeric supplement to help get your inflammation under control, I am extremely impressed with Paleo Valleys. To increase the bioavailability of turmeric, you need to consume it with black pepper, which most people know, and fat, which many people forget about. 
Paleo Valley's turmeric complex has black pepper and coconut oil to maximize absorption and three other powerful anti-inflammatories, ginger, rosemary, and clove for a maximum synergistic response. It also has no fillers, binders, or preservatives and is made with all organic ingredients and just a veggie capsule. Finally, it's third-party tested, which is something I always look for in supplements as extra assurance of their quality. I've had my uncle taking this for about three months, and he's gone from having debilitating back pain due to an autoimmune condition to being almost completely pain-free. Paleovality has a number of other incredibly high-quality food-derived supplements, including a vitamin C that I adore. Vitamin C is my ultimate favorite supplement for skin health, and a neuro-effect mushroom powder that Zach loves for increasing energy and focus. So definitely explore their website. If you'd like to check out the turmeric complex, the vitamin C, the neuro effect, or any of Paleo Valley's other amazing products, head over to paleovalley.com and use the code LizM for 15% off. That's paleovalley.com and code LizM for 15% off your order. And if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up on Instagram. I love chatting about this stuff. Now, let's get back to the episode. You mentioned that you were starting your stew with the spices. I think you had coriander and cumin sauteed in the oil. Are there any other spices that you think we should be incorporating in our cooking regularly that maybe a lot of people are shying away from? Uh, There are so many. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be maybe more specific to people that like spices in terms of like spiciness. If you like heat, experiment with different peppers. I think peppers are super potent in a lot of nutrition that we oftentimes ignore. I know a lot of people are familiar with jalapenos, but there's a lot of different chilies and things like that that are out there that you could experiment in different ethnic cuisines, or you can kind of start incorporating just to kind of see how you like it in a dish. And it's very similar to herbs in terms of very easy to just like chop up real quick and throw into something. And it can still add a lot of flavor and a lot of excitement bite-wise to a meal. So highly recommend that if you need something quick, but fun to add. And are you talking about fresh peppers or dried peppers that would be near the spice section? Both are equally good. So if you're like, maybe you're not sure how it's going to you know, feel to start incorporating some of those things. You can start small, like red chili flakes. I think everyone at least has some form of it. Using that will kind of give you the same benefit. But having that variety of different peppers as you're experimenting is always fun. There's a lot of different dried chilies that will give you the same nutrition benefit as the fresh ones too. What are the nutrition benefits that you're talking about roughly? A lot of them will have a ton of vitamin C. They will also have a ton of other antioxidants, especially if you're thinking about capsaicin, which is a very potent antioxidant. It's really helpful for reducing chronic disease risk. So incorporating those types of things in, it can be very beneficial. What are your favorite sources of protein on a plant-based diet and how are you thinking about protein in terms of your diet? I love this question because I feel like we oftentimes in the plant-based community can kind of undersell this area, but it's just as important as every other nutrient that you're consuming. So my favorite sources would be things like tofu, beans, seitan, which is like wheat gluten. And it's actually used in a lot of different cultures too, especially Asian cultures. They don't usually call it seitan. They usually call it wheat meat. And 
Typically with some of the other beans, there's like lots of varieties. If you're not very big on beans, there's also lentils, which is all under like the pulse family. You can also get some extra protein from like different things like nuts and seeds as well. A big thing that I like to recommend is to kind of mix and match. So you don't feel like you have to just eat a cup of beans. I love beans and I could eat that all day, but I know for some people that might not be enough. So if you need to match that with some of that wheat meat, or if you are a tofu lover, you can like match that with the beans or like mix it into that stew that I mentioned before. And it just helps to enhance the amount of protein that's there. And it helps to kind of complete the meal and make it more filling, add some different textures, right? Because like, I know a lot of barriers for beans is that the texture is weird for some people. You know, if you have to make that into a bean patty or, you know, if you like falafel, like that's very easy way to incorporate more protein, but change like the texture of it, make it more interesting. Are there any other foods that you think pack a lot of nutrition bang for their buck and are really easy to incorporate in our daily meals that maybe people aren't thinking about when they're cooking every day? I think one thing that you can do is look at the meal that you're prepping and think about what makes the most sense to add. I think in general, we oftentimes think I need to add spinach to like every single meal. And you don't have to do that. You can think about, all right, what are you wanting to get out of that spinach? Maybe it's you want to get iron. So maybe start by adding some pumpkin seeds at breakfast. Maybe you add that to your oatmeal. If you are thinking about lunch, maybe you're making a chickpea salad sandwich and the chickpeas are going to add that iron for you without having to add extra greens on it. You can also incorporate some of the spices that I mentioned. So things like cumin seed, turmeric, those things actually have quite a bit of iron in them. So if I'm looking for a specific nutrient, what foods actually have that nutrient and see how I can kind of infuse it into the dish that I want to eat. And you could like literally Google foods that are high in iron. Exactly. Pretty much any nutrient that you type into Google, you will get a nice top 10 list for every single food that fits in that category. Yeah, it's actually in some ways a nice way to narrow down because I feel like there's zillions of recipes out there and you're just like, I don't know, what should I be meal planning this week, whatever. But if you're like, I'm going to focus on this nutrient this week or something like that and Google it, it's a nice direction for your cooking to go. Yeah. I love leading with that because oftentimes we feel very inundated with so much information and so many recipes. So it can feel very overwhelming to try and find anything. So if there's anything that you're interested in, lead with that as what you're searching for instead of what is an easy weeknight dinner because you'll get way too many answers Way for that. too many. That's so smart. Is there a homework assignment that you could leave us with? Like one thing that listeners could do starting today, it'd be really easy to incorporate that would start to make their diet a little bit healthier? Yes. My biggest tip, and I know I mentioned it a couple of times today, but get into herbs. I think that they are one of the less talked about things that we incorporate in our day-to-day. And whether you have them fresh, dried, you will still get a ton of nutrition benefits. So 
maybe you want to just buy at least one dry or fresh herb that you want to start infusing into things, it will just add flavor. So I feel like especially with some of those things, like let's say dried oregano, it goes in so many different types of cuisine. So you're not going to feel stuck like you know, adding it into a meal and you'll get like the nutrition benefit from that. And if you're using fresh and you're worried about potentially like not using all of it up, take some of it, chop it up really fine, add a little bit of oil in an ice cube tray, put it into your freezer, and then use that to be the beginning part of your dish. Like you could just add that, it will melt, it will start to saute everything, and it will preserve a lot of the nutrition when it was fresh before you know you threw it into the freezer. Okay, let's get specific on that super fast. I want to add an herb to breakfast. What should I make and what should I add? If you want to add an herb to your breakfast, let's say you're making those breakfast tacos I mentioned, you can add some fresh cilantro to that. I personally also love oatmeal. That's usually my go-to in the morning. So what I tend to do sometimes is I'll add like a mix of mint or even basil on top. Those are really, really good. Especially with like, I picture that with like strawberry basil. Oh my gosh, that sounds delicious. This is something that I've recently really loved. You take like those strawberries and cook them down a little bit to make them kind of like a compote and then serve it with the basil mixed into it. It's so good. And even if you're not like big on oatmeal, like serve that on toast. So good. Highly recommend. Okay. How can I add an herb to lunch? So if you want to add an herb to lunch, we can do a salad. I know that's kind of like a cop out, (laughs) but very easy. Think about your dressing and maybe this is good for just anything because I feel like you don't just have to add dressing to salads. Add a bunch of dried herbs to it because it's very simple. And I know a lot of us don't have a lot of time in the afternoon because we're in the middle of work. So just add tons of dried herbs to your dressings. You can add some balsamic vinegar to it just to kind of help liven up some of those flavors. And it's very easy to toss onto something, you know, last minute. So you can like prep that in advance, pull it out of the fridge, just like put it on top and you have quick flavorful meal without having to like really do too much. Love that. And then one way that we haven't talked about to add an herb to dinner. It's kind of following what I just mentioned with like freezing some of your herbs. Vega, my culture, we use sofrito or sazon. Those are pretty much like a blend of different herbs, garlic, and also just adobo seasoning and things like that. So we usually make a big batch of it. If you are very into cooking or if you want a very quick and easy way to flavor a meal without actually having to follow like a specific recipe make a big batch of that. You can freeze some of it if you don't get to all of it, but you just need like a little spoonful and it's like such a nutrition powerhouse. You just throw it into the pan and just kind of like fry it up with a little bit of oil. And it just, it makes your house smell amazing, but it will, I guarantee you, no matter what protein or, you know, what soup you want to add flavor to, it will just make everything taste like a big hug (laughs) in a bowl. It's just so good. Yum. Can you tell us a little bit about where we can find you online? 
I post a lot of my recipes on my blog, which is plantbasedrdblog.com. And I also am on Instagram and TikTok as plantbasedrd, so pretty easy to follow me there. I try to share also nutrition tips too, my stories. So if you need some extra advice, I'm always happy to answer any questions there too. I love your stories. I think they're just such a good mix of really valuable information, but just so approachable and accessible. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I'm going to go make some sofrito. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Highly recommend it. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. Okay, I have a confessional moment here. I actually stalked this company years ago when I was first starting to work with sponsors because I was so obsessed with their product. It didn't work out to work together at the time, but it feels really, really cool years later to be able to share them with you. I really like to use these spots as a product recommendation tool to talk about brands that I am obsessed with, and this company absolutely qualifies, and it just feels really special to be doing this partnership after loving them for so long. I am so excited to share Dry Farm Wines. Years ago, I spent a while researching and tasting and just doing a deep dive into the world of wine, and I was shocked to find out that the vast majority of the wine that we buy at the store actually contains a ton of stuff that they're not required to disclose on the bottle. There are 76 additives that are legally approved for use in winemaking in the U.S. We're talking dyes, thickeners, chemicals to make it more tannic or less tannic, Basically, they're taking the fermented grapes and trying to standardize the flavor universally, make it shelf-stable, and rushing the vine-to-bottle process. Not Dry Farm Wines. Dry Farm Wines is leading the natural wine movement by sourcing wines according to the world's strictest criteria. Okay, to start, their grapes are organically and biodynamically grown on small family farms, which is honestly so rare and such a good thing to look for in your wine. The wine itself is totally free from toxic additives, sugar-free, low alcohol, lab-tested for purity, and even keto and paleo-approved if that's something that you look for. Wines that have been looked after with this kind of care typically come at a really inaccessible price point, but not dry farm wines. They're significantly more affordable than anything else that I've found of this quality. And the impact of dry farm wines extends far beyond the wine in your bottle. Their farms comprise roughly 7% of all organic vines in Europe, and supporting these small family vineyards helps preserve the healthy soil and dynamic biodiversity, which I love so much and I think is so important. They empower the 600 small family growers that they source from to focus on regenerative farming and to succeed without having to sell out or over-industrialize. Not to mention they only source from growers who don't irrigate their vines, a process called dry farming, hence the name, which saves roughly 16,000 gallons of water annually. This is the real deal, you guys. Less than one-tenth of one percent of the world's wines are grown to these standards. You can order dry farm wines directly to your door and every box is shipped free of charge. They also have a 100% happiness guarantee, which is absolutely wild. Any bottle you don't love, Dry Farm Wines will replace or refund literally, no questions asked. It is amazing. You can go to dryfarmwines.com slash healthier together to try it for yourself. And when you do, you'll receive an extra bottle in your first box for just one penny when you sign up for a subscription. That's dryfarmwines.com slash healthier together for an extra bottle in your first subscription box for just one penny. Happy sipping. 
Jamie, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. I'm so excited to dive into all of your cooking secrets. I'm so excited to be here. We're finally e-meeting. I feel like we've been internet friends now for a while. So I'm very excited that we are kind of face-to-face. I know. We'll have to do it in person before too long passes and cook something or just go out and drink and dance too. I would love nothing more. That sounds amazing. Amazing. Well, can you just kick us off by telling us a little bit about you, about your journey to becoming the food megastar that you are? A little bit about me. I was a teacher turned full-time content creator. I've been doing Everything Delish now for six years full-time. My entire life, I dreamt of being a teacher. If you would have told me 10 years ago that I wasn't being a teacher, I'd be like, you are wrong. There's just no absolute way because everything I did to get myself to my teaching career, like teaching, swimming, volunteering, this and that from like the age of eight, I just always knew that I wanted to do something to like help others and always just be with children. So When I graduated university, I came back to Toronto and I went to school in Montreal and I did my master's here and I was substitute teaching. And I always was that person that kind of just had their phone out in everyone's face. We would go out for dinner and I'd be taking that cheese pull, like ripping things open. And my friends were just like, what are you doing? We don't need your camera flashlight everywhere. And I just didn't care. Then slowly, because I always had my phone out at meals, started to get a lot of requests from friends being like, I'm going to Montreal. Where should I go eat? Where should I go out with my friends? I'm here in Toronto, going to Miami, here and there. And I was like, instead of you all bothering me and annoying me, I'm just going to start an Instagram page. That way, I don't have to answer to everyone's requests and you can just look at where I'm eating and drinking there. And started doing video, kind of took off. And little did I know that a cheesecake on a stick that I posted six years ago that I now look back on, I can't believe I edited this way, would have like a hundred million views, be featured like all across every publication. That was really kind of my growth spurt. The reason why I am where I am today is because of Cheesecake on a Stick. Did you grow up cooking? I grew up in a Jewish family where food was the forefront of everything that we did. Shabbat dinners, really big family meals and high holidays. When I look back on my childhood, when I think about family and I think about community, I think about food. I think about my grandmother's cooking. I think of my mom cooking. I just grew up in a household where when I was four years old, I was eating a club sandwich with like extra mayo on the side. That was me. And when I went to university, That was like my first real time. I was on my own. And that's when I really fell in love with recipes and cooking. And when I did start Everything Delish, I would put some of my own recipes, like throw them in there. But I had a little bit of imposter syndrome because I felt that because I started off with a certain niche, which was this cheesy, crazy dish kind of being thrown at you, that people wouldn't want to see my healthy recipes. Like I love working out loved eating healthy. And I was really nervous that people wouldn't want to see that. And then I was like, this is all you're getting. It's a pandemic. (laughs) I'm curious, because you said you had this imposter syndrome and you've clearly overcome it. Do you have any secrets to overcoming that imposter syndrome? That is a really good question because I feel like sometimes I still, even after doing this for six years, it still can creep up on you. 
am very open on my social media about being anxious. And it was actually my anxiety during the pandemic that made me go offline and cook because I was so overwhelmed with the news. And now like when I am thinking about imposter syndrome, I always just think about my journey and that I did this for myself. You know, like I am the reason where I am today. Of course, there are so many people that have helped me along the way, but I wouldn't have been where I am if I didn't do that. And I didn't do that. And I didn't take a chance and I didn't take that leap of faith. And it's taken me, you know, a really long time to have that moment and be actually confident to say, wow, like, look what I have done, like what I have built, because I think a lot of people have a hard time owning that, but we need to own our success. I believe that more than anything. We're so quick to point out all of the places that we went wrong on our journeys and so bad at being like, look at all the things I did to build to the place that I am. A million percent. We're being fed so much information. We're constantly in a society where we're comparing ourselves to other people and we're being like, well, why didn't we get that deal? Why didn't we get this? Why didn't that video do well? You know what I mean? And instead of comparing, now what I do is I actually write down all the really great things that have happened in my week so that I'm not focusing on, so why isn't that happening, right? Like even something like my story views did really well, something small, or I went on a walk for myself today, or I was able to share an Amazon teacher, Amazon wishlist. I was able to do this and make a really great connection for them. Things that happen in the moment that we actually don't take time to reflect on. And that has been like very grounding, but also really helpful in keeping me in that like positivity lane. Are there any other practices that you do on a daily basis that you find really helpful for your anxiety? I am a huge believer in journaling. I think that journaling is super helpful as someone that struggles with anxiety. I also have ADD, so I need to have those lists out there. It's just extremely helpful. Just having that moment to myself to be like, this is what I'm grateful for the day. And this is also what I need to do for the day. And being able to intertwine both of them has been very successful for my productivity and also just my mental health. I go to therapy. So I'm like in therapy once a week. I am like the biggest therapy advocate. Sometimes I'll get the message like, you're a food account. What are you doing talking about mental health? And I'm like, no, I need everyone to know that like I'm in therapy. And if I can motivate or help someone or help them after seeing my stories, which I've gotten messages about that they can go reach out to a therapist, that matters to me. Like I want to be that relatable person. Can you say why you think therapy is so good? I think a lot of people are like, oh, it changes your life, but it's almost hard to describe exactly what is happening in there and like why it's good. I think having someone that is so removed from your life and has kind of zero obligations to you, they don't have to fluff you and tell you that, yes, you're amazing and yes, you're right. Like they tell you the hard truth. They help you decipher why you feel this way or why you may have acted that way, right? Because there are some times that we get in our heads and, you know, I'll be like, why am I obsessing over this? Why am I upset about this? You know, like I feel really upset that like I'm letting this upset me. It could be something so small or so significant. And she'll explain to me why. And then I'm like, oh my God, serotonin, like this makes me feel amazing. And then I go to my fiance and I'm like, so this is why I acted this way. And it helps you understand certain reactions or feelings. And it just validates that you're not alone. Are there any other tools or practices you're doing every day? 
Going for walks. Walks are so helpful just getting my mind like away from everything. It really just helps me start my day. Like I'm a very big routine person. I'm one of those people like I need to work out in the morning kind of just to jumpstart my day. I had an anxiety expert tell me that one of the best things you can do for anxiety is structure. Putting structure to your day, to your life in any way possible is so helpful for anxiety in general. So helpful because I think that when you don't have a routine, like I want to start cooking, let's say today by 9am, I could lay in bed on my phone till 8.30. And then I'm like, okay, well, I've been up now for two hours. What have I been doing? I'm in a deep black hole of TikTok, probably on some side that you don't even want to be on. If I don't have that routine, if I'm not going to go sign up for that gym class, or I'm not going to like write in my journal then I really see that it's like off-putting for my day. And then you understand like we are our own boss. We create our own schedules. Your entire day can be thrown out the door just based on how you're feeling and how you're waking up in the morning. I think that by having these tools, having these routines, the structure, the support, it's been really helpful in allowing me to thrive while being my own boss. I love that. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. You know that I am obsessed with electrolyte powders. I use them as a base for my electrolyte chia fresca, which is my absolute go-to drink for fighting constipation when I travel. That recipe is on my Instagram feed, and I highly recommend it. I also love them because it makes it so much easier to drink more water throughout the day. It makes it taste good, but it also makes it actually hydrate you on a cellular level. Let's talk about some of the science behind that for a second. Electrolyte and sodium deficiency is actually at the root of many of the problems that even the healthiest eaters and athletes face. Things like headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, and even dysregulation of critical hormonal and cellular function. Here's the thing, though. We always hear that we should be drinking more water when we have these symptoms, but drinking more water actually makes the problem worse if electrolytes are not also replaced. Hydration is not just about drinking water. It is critical to hydrate with water plus electrolytes to get to you hydration, which is when we have adequate fluid balance in our bodies. Okay, that was a lot of background. Anyway, these are just a few of the many reasons that I am so excited to be sharing Element with you today. Element is one of my all-time favorite electrolyte drink mixes. You've probably seen me tag and share them on Instagram a bunch. It's made with a science-backed electrolyte ratio and has no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, and no fillers. Two of my favorite things about them are their ratios and commitment to science. They're really similar to a lot of my other favorite brands where they're pushing the research field of hydration science forward. But one of the best parts of Element are their amazing, amazing flavors. I feel like they're very chef-y, like they have a lemon habanero, which I keep meaning to create a mocktail recipe with. They have watermelon, mango chili, and even chocolate, which is actually really delish when added to a smoothie, especially post-workout. If you're listening to this and thinking, wait, isn't sodium bad for you? Let's take a step back. Element is made with a combination of electrolytes and sodium. And it makes sense. We lose both water and sodium when we sweat, so both need to be replaced to prevent muscle cramps, headaches, and the energy dips that result from it. But most people only replace the water since we're told so often about the importance of drinking water. But what happens then is your blood electrolyte levels, especially sodium levels, get diluted and your dehydration symptoms only get worse. Element offers the perfect solution where you can drink your water, you can get your electrolytes, and you can feel ready to take on your day, whether you're doing big workouts or hikes or working at a computer. 
If you want to try Element for yourself and see what all of the hype is about, they have a fantastic offer for Healthier Together listeners. Just go to drinklmnt.com slash Liz to get a free Element sample pack, which includes one packet of every flavor with any order. And if you don't love it, Element offers no questions asked refunds on all orders, so there is literally no risk in giving it a shot. You won't find this offer publicly available. The only way to claim it is through my custom link, drinklmnt.com slash Liz. That is drink, then the letter L, the letter M, the letter N, and the letter T.com slash Liz. Now let's get back to the episode. One more non-cooking question. What is the secret to having a viral video on social media? You've had so many. I wish I could tell you that there was a secret combination, something you could do, hashtag. Give me something, anything that you would consider like a real tip though, because I hate when people are like, I know that there's no actual thing and it's always chance, but also there's some stuff, you know? Okay, I agree. So your first like three seconds, that is your hook, right? That is your time where you are going to determine if this person is going to watch your video. I think that watch time really determines the success of your video. The longer that someone watches, the more that the algorithm is going to push it out. So that's why when you start with that like food shot, the breaking open of a cookie or the salad dressing or something like that, I think that does really well. But then I also think that you need to put your personality out there and you need to be able to tell your story. So I'm constantly telling my story of leaving teaching, having anxiety, you know, the negativity that I dealt with when leaving my teaching job over a food video. Like my story in that food video have zero, like they're not matching up whatsoever. But it's getting people to watch the full video, they want to hear your story and then they want the recipe. Okay. So then they're going to go to my Instagram and then watch it all again and then save it there. People relate to other people. A hundred percent. And I think that especially in this day and age where everyone really wants to be their own boss, it's something that I see at any time that I post about my story. I get a lot of teachers reaching out to me being like, you are my inspiration. I want to leave. I want to do my food job. Oh, no, we need people staying and teaching, though. Some teachers got to (laughs) stay. No, I agree. It could be with absolutely anything. I think that people want to know that it's okay to not feel okay and you aren't stuck. This isn't permanent. You are not married to your job. I went to school for seven years. I did two degrees in education. My entire life was dedicated to my teaching career. I believe that I utilize the skills that I learned in my everyday life and my job right now, I'm not doing anything like that. I think that's such a strong point though, is that even if your job isn't transferable, your skills are, and you're just building skills continuously throughout your lifetime. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, if I'm not going to keep doing this job forever, it was a waste of my time. But actually you're still building skills that can be applied in any number of jobs. 100%. And I think like everything is an experience. And when we reflect on our experiences, we're able to have those takeaway moments, right? So I can see so many crossovers with my teaching placements in my, you know, like two degrees that I'm able to do now. I am very organized, like things that help me succeed now that I maybe wouldn't have realized before, but I'm able to see that they like transfer, like you said, now. Okay, well, let's put some of that teaching life to the test a little bit. Let's start off for our eating part. 
about how you can make a work lunch that will still make you feel really, really good when you eat it. But something, you know, it's portable, it's transportable, you can take it with you. What would you do for a healthy work lunch? So I love the mason jar salad. I feel like it's having a moment right now. And what I love about it is, I mean, I hate doing the dishes. So everything I will do will be like to limit the amount of dishes that need to be there. Hallelujah. Yes. Right? Like (laughs) who wants to do the dishes? So I love the fact with the mason jar, you can make a dressing, put it at the bottom because you want it all to come out beautifully. And You can just layer everything. You can put whatever you want in the salad. You want the base to be quinoa, you can do quinoa. You want to do rice, you do rice, arugula, romaine. Then you just add in any veggies, some cheese, avocado, healthy fat there. Like there's just so much that you can do with the mason jar salad that it doesn't need to be like, oh, I'm just packing lettuce into a jar. What's your favorite dressing? I make a like honey basil balsamic. I don't know if you realize, but I I pause there because... TikTok tells me I say balsamic wrong. Is that a Canadian thing? Yes, we say balsamic. We all say pasta. I don't know what pasta is. I've never heard of pasta before. Never in my life. So that's why I, I pause and I'm like balsamic. But no, I'm I have a friend like, who mispronounces stuff intentionally on TikTok because then people go wild at the comments so that it makes things go viral. So maybe your Canadian accent is actually an asset. I have to tell you, I use it to my advantage a little bit when I do a pasta recipe because I know pasta recipe. Yeah. If I start the recipe with pasta, I just know that people are coming at me in the comments and it's helping with the engagement. I I know I don't do it intentionally, but it makes me feel better when I make a mistake. Like if I have a typo or something, I hear my friend's voice in my head and I'm like, everybody's going to rush to correct you in the comments and then you'll go viral. And it makes me feel a little better. It helps my perfectionism. I feel the exact same way. So that's why I'm like, you know what? Balsamic. I'm going to say it. We'll see if anyone comments. on. Okay, wait. So what's in that? So it's very easy to make. It's just balsamic vinegar. Get a good quality one. Olive oil, honey, chopped basil, Dijon mustard, salt, pepper, and grated garlic. I think salad dressings are one of those things that they're so simple to make, but we've been fooled by the whole industry into being told we have to buy them. A hundred percent. And I also think that people have this idea that like one salad has one salad dressing. Like, no, you can use a salad dressing with so many different ingredients. I will actually take salad dressings and use it to marinate protein, whether it be salmon or chicken. I don't like doing things that are complicated. So I want people to know that, yes, you can use this balsamic dressing on a really delicious caprese salad, like pasta salad, or you can use it to marinate your chicken. And you can even put another dressing if you want on it. We don't need to have all this crazy... 14 ingredient salad dressing. You can reuse it for whatever you like. Okay. What about quick and easy dinner? Like you have 10 minutes, you're hungry, but you want to feel good when you've eaten whatever you've made. My hot honey air fryer salmon. I am obsessed with the air fryer. I think it is the best kitchen appliance that you could ever buy. Tell me on the air, like why? It is just easy and it cooks everything quickly And you always know that it will come out really delicious. So I know I said salmon, but also making chicken wings in the air fryer is super easy. You can add olive oil, but it's not necessary. You just pop the chicken wings in there, put some seasoning on, put it on for like 35, 40 minutes. 
you have the crispiest, most delicious chicken wings. No baking sheet required, no preheating the oven, just pop it in there. And I make tender, soft, delicious salmon in eight minutes. And then are you putting anything on the side of that? Are you just sitting and eating a plate of fish? No, 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 no. I actually think I enjoy the sides more than the main. Yeah, like in almost any restaurant and like in any situation, Thanksgiving, I'm side girl all the way. Same. And I love mixing different things together. I think I get that from my mom. Like I grew up with my mom who'd actually grill pineapple, put cinnamon on it, and then dip it in like Dijon honey mustard. Oh my God. I love grilled pineapple. I think grilled fruit is something we just need to talk about more societally. I 100% agree. And I think that fruit salsa is having a moment right now because people like the dicing it really small. So maybe, okay, we should do like a grilled peach, like salsa. Oh my God. That sounds so good. Or you grill out pineapple and jalapeno and then some garlic. That sounds amazing. So what's like usually on the side of the salmon? We always have sweet potatoes. We have candied sweet potatoes. All you have to do Preheat the oven to 450 and you just throw your sweet potatoes in there. You do nothing but wash them before. And then because of the sugars, they caramelize and we put olive oil and sea salt on it. And it's just amazing, like melting your mouth. And then we make some garlicky green beans because love garlic and I love green beans. Sometimes we'll make them in the air fryer or stovetop and then we'll have a salad. Maybe sometimes like brown rice, quinoa. But we're like very much veggie, starch, protein. Do you have any secrets for saving money on healthy food? What I do is we grocery shop once a week and I will buy some ingredients for my recipes, but I'll also base my recipes that I'm making for the week off of what I have. And it allows me to be creative and really think about what I have and how I can use that same ingredient a few times. So for example, I just made a Caesar salad recipe. The Caesar salad took me so long to make because I added chicken to it. I did toasted breadcrumbs and then I turned it into a wrap, but I got six videos out of it, recipe videos. So I'm like good for the week now. Thanks to that Caesar salad. Wait, you got, so I saw the wrap and I saw the original salad and were you just re-editing the same footage that you'd taken basically? Basically, yes. And then because I filmed at the same time, so I filmed the chicken air fryer recipe. So I also posted that. And then I have additional footage for the breadcrumbs. Oh, that's genius. That's like work smarter, not harder. (laughs) Right. Because the Caesar salad did really well on its own, right? But there are so many different components that get missed in the salad. And these are things that you can use in everyday recipes. So that's why I really liked that I could take one recipe re-edit it and show different aspects of it. And then they can kind of get the love that they deserve. So like, if you make one thing, just think about, oh, I have these breadcrumbs. What else can I make with them? I have these candied sweet potatoes. Can I throw them in a salad? Whatever, whatever. Just like, exactly. And I think people appreciate that. And also like, I think it helps with engagement, right? So if you're creating a video that is associated with, then I can reply to a comment that helps with your engagement. You're just creating this kind of chain of engagement. As content creators, there's so much work that goes into what we do. And if we can make it a little bit easier for ourselves and not push out so much content and have to do 45 million recipes a day, why not take one recipe and turn it into a different videos and make it easier for ourselves? I actually do think there's this illusion that being a content creator is a simple or not time-consuming job. And I think there was probably a little bit of truth to that, although I wasn't a full-time content creator back then, so I can't speak to it truly. But in the photo era, but in the video era, I every single content creator I know is drowning because it's just so hard 
producing video takes so much time and you have to produce so much to even stay up to date on all of the apps. A hundred percent. And people are always like, what's one piece of advice that you have? And I'm like, don't go chasing the views. Don't go chasing the virality. Post content that you genuinely love and that you will actually eat or make because transparency is everything. And that's why I don't hop on a lot of the trends because if it's not something that I'm going to eat, then why am I going to do it just for the views? Did you start the Jennifer Aniston salad trend or was that already happening and then you did it? It was already happening. And I was just like, it's everywhere. I need to give it a try. And so I love the mason jar salads. Why not put it in a big container? And I think that going back that container and then the Jennifer Aniston hook were the best kind of duo for a viral video because it has like over 30 million views across social media. And I love that yours is the one that's called out in the People article that's like, Jennifer Aniston says this is not her salad. (laughs) I just like like to think, do you think that she saw the video? Oh, I think it definitely means that she, the way I picture that interaction going is a People editor or her publicist being like, look, it's your salad, showing them your video and her being like, oh, ha ha, that's not my salad. (laughs) It's funny because still to this day, people are like, she debunked the salad, like they're commenting. And I'm like, I know, I already addressed this. Like, that's not the point. You're not reporting on a war, like you're sharing a salad recipe. (laughs) Right. And like, I also can't go like re-edit the voiceover and I'm not going to edit caption. Jennifer Aniston actually debunked this. This is not her salad. But like the salad looks good. You don't need it to have been Jennifer Aniston's salad to be delicious. Listen, it's really good, but I did speak about afterwards. It's a very gassy salad. Like you have a (laughs) lot of quinoa, you have a lot of chickpeas. My stomach, I don't think I could eat that salad every single day. I feel like Jennifer Aniston has a beautifully thriving microbiome though. She just has that energy. A million percent. She could put anything in her body and she'll glow. I agree completely. You're listening to the Healthier Together podcast. I am so excited to share a podcast that I have personally been a fan of for years. It is seriously one of my most played podcasts, Organic Olivia's What's the Juice podcast. Olivia and I became fast friends earlier this year when I had her on Healthier Together, and we quickly decided that I needed to guest on her show too so that we could get into all of the juice of my own journey. And I got to say, it was very fun being in the hot seat. Olivia is an herbalist with her own line of formulas and one of the best blogs on the internet where you can learn about PCOS and period woes, breakfast ideas to balance your blood sugar, or how to quit caffeine for good. I'm telling you, this blog has endless opportunities for you to get lost down the health and wellness rabbit hole. And the best part is almost everything that she writes about on her blog is covered at length by experts on her podcast. If you're a fan of my show and you come back week over week, I cannot encourage you enough to check out What's the Juice by Organic Olivia. Our shows go together perfectly. We are both Leo women with a lot to say and the science to back it up. So cue up an episode of What's the Juice on your favorite podcast app. I suggest starting with season three, episode eight. It's not the stress you feel, it's the stress you avoid with Kelly McGonigal, PhD. And I also loved her recent episode about solo travel, but you seriously cannot go wrong with anything. You can find it by searching Organic Olivia wherever you listen to podcasts. Are there any other ingredients that you like to keep on hand so that you can eat healthy whenever, just that you always keep in your cupboard or keep in your fridge? I'm a huge fan of coconut wraps. I think it's easy. We freeze everything. 
So like it's easy when you like pop them into the freezer. Speak to that because I think that people so underutilize their freezer. And I think that's a healthy eating hack unto itself. When you say you freeze everything, what do you mean? What do you freeze? We freeze absolutely everything. You don't need to go to the grocery store every single night and go spend money on a fresh piece of protein. Plan for the week. Plan the day before. Like, And that's something that a, a constant conversation that my fiance and I are having. What are we eating for dinner tonight and tomorrow and the next night? So we will defrost the chicken. We have shrimp. Like, We go to Costco. We have these proteins there for when we want an easy meal. It doesn't even need to be an easy meal. It could be anything. Chicken wings, veggies. I just had literally a huge unlock when you said that, which is to the point about how do you save money eating well, your time has value. And when you're saving time eating well, when you're not going back and forth to the store, you're in essence saving money, even if it's not direct money, because your time has that value. I can't go grocery shopping seven days a week. One, financially, it doesn't work for us. And two, like it's very time consuming. And that's why like being organized routines, lists, having everything out there written out for you is so easy. Like that way you see, okay, this is what the ingredients that I have are I'm going to buy. This is what I have on deck for the week. These are the recipes I can make. These are the meals I can make. This is what I can freeze. It helps kind of you prepare, I would say, like you said. So you have a bunch of protein in your freezers or anything else that you're putting in your freezer. Like I always have a bag of frozen broccoli so that I can make meals when I am in a pinch we always have like a frozen veggie. I love putting like my wraps in there. Like I don't think that wraps need to be fresh. It's like super easy. Pop it in the microwave or put it in your oven and defrost. Always frozen berries. We always have in there as well. And then I would say like a lot of protein, everything from like bacon to lamb chops to everything we have in there. We love frozen dumplings, the Trader Joe's frozen dumplings. So we get those. Is there any ways that your Jewish heritage has influenced your cooking? Are there foods that you made growing up that you make now or that you've made your own spin on? A hundred percent. Well, one, my love of pickles comes from Shabbat dinners. My grandmother, who we call her bubbies, I would be sat beside like a jar of kosher dill pickles and I'd eat everything before. So like I put pickles in salads. I always am talking about it on stories and people are like either like, yes, I love doing that or they're just like, absolutely not. I think a elite combo is pita with just pickles. People are like, you're crazy, but it's it's actually really good. See, I was on board with salads because I'm like, it would provide a nice sort of salty, tangy counterpoint to everything in there. I'm not sure that I feel the same with just pita. <laughs> you'll try it and then you'll, you'll let me know. You're going to be like, okay, and she calls herself like a food blogger and recipe creator. Like, who is this chick? No way. So definitely that, but like for sure, matzo ball soup, love making that, just roasted chicken. My grandmother actually just recently passed away and her shake and bake chicken wing recipe is forever with me. I've been kind of like guarding the recipe. I really want to remake it, but I need to find a time where... I'm ready to do it. I want it to be like super special because it, it would be just for her. They're just like what she's known for. So that could be like indirectly why I always make chicken wings and I always put them in the air fryer because it's super easy. I love that. So I have two more for you. One, what is your favorite vegetable and what is your favorite way to use it? And I love mushrooms. Love mushrooms. I think that they are just such a very versatile dish. I love 
the fact that there are so many different types of mushrooms and you can use them in honestly everything. You can put them in eggs. You can put them in pasta sauce. You can also put a portobello mushroom and you can deep fry it and you can make a mock chicken with it. And you will have like the same texture and almost flavor profile as chicken. So I think that you are able to manipulate mushrooms to kind of be its own star in a dish exactly how you want it to be. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. And then can we get, just because we've talked a lot about content creation in this episode, I'm curious if you were going to give one piece of advice that was super specific and like actionable and tangible, like download this app or read this book to somebody who wanted to be a content creator and one piece of advice that was a little bit more mindset-y, what each of those would be? I think that for one, if you want to be a content creator and you want this to be your job, you need to be on the app. You need to have your pulse on everything because if you don't know what's going on, then it's going to be hard to know like what is trending or what is the video styles that are people are doing well or what is going on on social media because I'm sure the both of us, we live and breathe social media. Like we are on every single app. I'm reading like every news article. I'm listening to every podcast. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on here. I'm on there. I hear of a new app. I'm going to download it. Like now I just downloaded Be Real. I have no idea what it is. Don't ask me like how to use it because I have no idea. But it's what everyone's using right now. So I'm going to go on it. I also Snapchat's making a comeback. So why not? I use Snapchat personally. So let's open up my profile. So I think that you just have to create a profile. You have to go on it. Think of it. It's also fun, but it also could be research, right? What do you like? Why do you like it? Do you want to create those types of videos? I think that it just really helps you find what type of content you want to put out there. Okay. So something super specific, like you can go do this right now, a a little hot tip, an insider secret. Oh my God. Insider secret. I would say you have to download InShot. That is like my best kept secret. That is the best free video app to use. And if you have any issues with it, go on YouTube and watch a tutorial because that's how I taught myself how to use every single app that is out there, especially Lightroom and InShot. Super easy to use. And I think that when people are like, how do I get started? I say download InShot. Love that. I think YouTube is so wildly underutilized. It is insane to me that you can literally learn to do almost anything. Any niche issue I have, I type into my YouTube search. I'm like, how do you do this? And there's definitely always a video for it. What I love about YouTube is I will have like a random kitchen appliance. We got it from our wedding registry and I'm trying to put it on and I don't know how. And I'll be like, how does the Vitamix 467890 this go on. And they're like, we have a video for that. And it's a full tutorial. It's amazing. Knowledge is power. Like if you don't know how to do something, you need to really immerse yourself into that app. You need to watch videos. You need to educate yourself because that's how you're going to learn. I didn't wake up one day and became a professional food photographer or videographer. And I still don't think I am, but it's all based on experience and just teaching myself and making myself aware of everything that's happening and the apps you use and this and that. That's such a good note to end on. Can you tell us where we can find you on the internet? Yes, I am on Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest. And you can find me at everything underscore delish. That underscore is fine. We don't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Invisible underscore, but don't forget the underscore. Yeah, don't forget the underscore, but it's there. But let's forget about it. (laughs) 
Well, thank you so much, Jamie. I loved all of this. I'm going to go candy a sweet potato right now. I literally have some on my counter. I'm going to go do that immediately. It sounds so good. I am so excited for you and I can't wait to hear about what you think about it. But thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on here and you are an amazing host. So thank you so much for having me. Okay, how great were all of Catherine and Jamie's tips? I love how approachable and easy their advice was. Like, I love the nut butter hack for adding creaminess, adding herbs to all of our dishes to elevate their nutritional value and their flavor, the freezer wraps idea, just so much good stuff. I would love to know what tips you're going to try, so come and join the Healthier Together Podcast Club Facebook group so we can all share and learn together. It is linked in the show notes. And if you're interested in signing up to be part of a Healthier Together podcast club in your city, there is a form for that on the Facebook group, and I will put it in the show notes as well. If you're new here, make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss out on any future episodes. We have amazing ones coming up, including a highly requested episode about how to make friends as an adult and an Ask the Doctor blood sugar edition, which I know you are going to be obsessed with. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe so you do not miss out on anything. Okay, I love you and I will see you next week on the next episode of the Healthier Together podcast. I have a product that is going to change your life. I've recommended this to so many people and they're all floored. It's basically a perfect dupe for the viral Laneige lip mask, but a million times better and with ingredients that are clinically proven to help dry lips and actually good for you, which is important because you're essentially eating anything that goes on your lips. It is the Osmia Lip Repair Overnight Mask, and it feels like heaven. And you're going to want one for yourself and also to stock up and give them as gifts because they are the best present. They help my dry lips when nothing else works, and I will never be without mine now. And while you're on the Osmia site, you are going to want to stock up on the bar soaps. This is the original product that Dr. Sarah Villafranco, the founder, created, and they have converted me to bar soaps after years of not being able to take the plunge. They're cured longer, so they last way longer than any other bar soap I have ever found, which is amazing for travel. I have been traveling so much recently, and I've had literally the same bar of soap, and they smell amazing, and they do not dry out your skin. Go with the scent that speaks to your soul, but coffee mint is my personal favorite. Finally, if you remember Sarah's pod episode, she has a whole line of products that help with skin conditions like perioral dermatitis, which is when you get red and broken out around your mouth, eczema, and acne, even when nothing else works. She's famous for this. So start with the black clay facial soap and the purely simple face cream if you are like, oh yes, that is me. If you'd like to try any Osmia skincare products for yourself, they have so generously created a code for the Liz Moody podcast listeners. Code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com. Once again, code Liz Moody is good for 20% off your first order with Osmia at osmiaskincare.com.